get sales lessons from experts and entrepreneurs go out there and be a spokesperson and the representative for the brand on how you can bring your a game in selling making sales requires putting yourself out there and being vulnerable to start and scale your business we need to negotiate for what we deserve this is ace the sales podcast and here's your host roshni burronia Hey there, so happy to have you joining me for today's episode where I have with me a guest who will be talking about profit with principles. But before I bring her to the mic, a quick reminder to follow Is the Sales podcast on your listening app because when you do that, it helps us take this podcast and these valuable conversations to many more entrepreneurs just like yourself. And now, without further ado, let's bring our guest for the day onto the mic. So today I have the pleasure of having with me Regina Bergman who is the CEO of Bridgeport Strategy host of Pursuing Profit with Principles podcast international best selling author speaker and profit acceleration and exit strategy specialist there is so much to her introduction that i probably am not doing justice by reading it out aloud here so why not have regina herself do the honors and introduce herself regina please stage is yours <laughs> uh thank you rashni it, it's a pleasure to be here thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. So, yeah, folks will find me under uh, Regina Partain or Regina Bergman. So, I actually have kind of put those two together and I'm now Regina Partain Bergman. I was married for 44 years and my last name was Partain and then my husband passed away and then I remarried a few years later and so uh, so I have a confusing name. <laughs> I have been in business as long as I can remember. been an entrepreneur since I was a child and uh most recent business has been my coaching business as you said I'm a profit acceleration and exit strategy specialist helping business owners create a foundation in their business for growth and for ultimately being able to exit it profitably when they're ready for the next adventure in their life so many of us don't know exactly how to build that foundation in our business that allows us to accelerate that growth. And so that's that's what I do is I help folks do that. So I can in a 45 minute period find $100,000 for most any business owner, find $100,000 of additional revenue in their business if not profit in their business. Wow. That's a great elevator pitch. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So, uh, Regina, we before we get onto the roller coaster of questions with you, uh, we do a little behind the scene act to kickstart our conversation, and these will be just some light-hearted, fast-paced questions. So, let's get started with that first. Tell us one thing that we won't find or know from your profile or social media or website. Good question. Typically you may not find that I am now after my second marriage, I am now 
a grandmother to 21 grandchildren. Oh my God, really? You don't first of all look like, of course, people are not able to see you. But yeah, that's a crazy number. (laughs) (laughs) It is indeed. (laughs) That's superb. Amazing. (laughs) So um, tell us one silly habit that you have, which drives people around you crazy. Well, it certainly gets people curious as to the why, and I can't answer the question. And that is, if I'm sitting still, my feet are moving. And I've found if I discover that they're moving, and sometimes they do that so much, it drives me crazy. And if I discover it, I'm like, okay, I'm going I'm, I'm going to stop them moving. The next thing I know, my hands are moving. It's like some part of me has to be moving. <laughs> has to move. Always in action. <laughs> Always in action. That's right. <laughs> Awesome. Last question. Describe yourself in three words. Oh, three words. Mm, compassionate, perseverant, you know, never give up. And a third one. I hope I'm kind. It's important to me to be kind to others. Awesome. So great start to that conversation. And now, Regina, let's get uh, a little bit deeper into your specific expertise and domain area, because uh, you work a lot with entrepreneurs as their business coach and profit strategist. So what, in your observation, is the most common or should I say the biggest motivation for people to jump into entrepreneurship? You know, that's a really good question, Roshni. And I think it's changed a lot over the last two years. Prior to that, I would have said it's because we have this great idea that we think we need to take to market or we don't want to work for someone anymore. Uh, And so we think we can go do it on our own. And I think there's been an exacerbation of that second one. I think that is really the strongest driver now is I want out of the rat race. I want out of working for someone else. I think that's one of the biggest drivers pushing people in the lack of a feeling of security with a job and feeling like, okay, I'm going to go out and create my own security because I feel like, you know, at the drop of a hat, I could be fired. I could be let go. Uh, My company could go, this company I work for could go out of business. Uh, you know, that that real sense of insecurity uh, with their current job, I think, is driving a lot of people to go into entrepreneurship these days. Absolutely. So, right. In fact, uh, you correctly said that the biggest driver is being your own boss. In fact, statistically speaking, 47% of people enter into entrepreneurship because they want to be their own boss. They don't like their corporate bosses. <laughs> So yes, yes, that's a great motivator. So I think that's just been, I think that's growing uh, with the experiences of the last two years. I think that's, that has gotten stronger. Yes, yes, definitely. But here's the question, which, uh, which is actually a follow up to this question, because many people do enter on into entrepreneurship. But uh, when they do that, there are, of course, so many challenges. So what comes in their way of success? Because somewhere I read that 20% of small businesses fail in the very first year. So what is coming in their way? Because you are the expert of uh, that uh, zone. So tell us a little bit about that. It is primarily a lack of knowledge, but not just a lack of knowledge. It's that not knowing what they don't know. 
Because if you don't know what you don't know, you don't know who to ask or what to ask, right? So we come into this world with our only experience being observing someone else from the outside running their own business, doing it well or not doing it well. And we observe that and we think, well, I can do better than that. But we don't always know what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know what are the things that we need to focus on for success in our business. We don't know so much of how to run a business. And so that really can be a a huge stumbling block. And so getting a coach is a good way. Somebody who's been there, done that, knows what that path looks like. That's a good way to overcome that. Uh, Getting as much training as you can to help fill in those blanks. But there's always going to be some things that you just don't know. And again, having a coach who's been there, done that, can be a great way to insulate yourself from that potential failure uh, due to that lack of knowledge. That's so rightly said because, uh, yes, most uh, entrepreneurs or most people, uh, when they enter into entrepreneurship, uh, get into it with a very big idea. But what's lacking is how to execute it, how to put it into execution. And that's where the failure comes in. So, yes, we don't know. But the main problem, the root problem is we don't know what we don't know. So that's a, uh, that's a great uh, extension to the problem area. Okay, so uh, Regina, one of the biggest challenges I see entrepreneurs face is to do a cost analysis in terms of how much budget they should have for marketing, how much they should put in operations, how much they should spend on hiring, how much they should invest in having technology in their business. Because after pandemic, I think all of the businesses have gone digital. So there is a full spectrum of expenses, costs and investments that go into a small business. And for a boost strapped business owner, uh, it becomes really difficult to wrap their head around uh, where to invest and where to put their money in. So can you give a little bit insight into what are the areas that they can focus on so they can have more profitability in their business? Because startups are run with a different intention. It is all about scale, growth and expansion. But for a small business owner, sustainability comes first, profitability comes first. So can you tell a little bit about that? How can small business owner focus on profitability? I would love to talk about that. That, of course, is my passion, is profit acceleration. And I think that in our marketing world, we spend a lot of time talking about revenue and not nearly enough time talking about how we turn that revenue into profit. There are three areas on your profit and loss statement where you actually have the ability to monetize that P&L statement. And those areas are revenue, cost of goods sold, and overhead. Small incremental improvements in those three areas can dramatically impact your profit. If you want to achieve a 50% improvement in profit, just make a 5.5% improvement in those three areas. So that means increasing your revenue by 5.5%, reducing your cost of goods sold by 5.5%, and reducing your overhead by 5.5%. And I have a half a dozen ways for each of those things that I can share with you at another time that uh, you can reduce the cost of goods sold, reduce your overhead and increase your revenue. 
And we're not talking about things that are an expense associated with it. We're talking about things that don't cost marketing and advertising budgets in order to increase revenue and reduce those other areas. So we're looking at compounding effects from those three by doing those. And they're the only three areas that you can really impact on your profit and loss statement. But let's talk about revenue for just a moment, how you can increase revenue. And the one quick, easy way, fastest way to increase revenue that most business owners shy away from, especially small business owners shy away from, and that is increasing your price. Most of us discount and give away all of our profit with that discount. A small improvement in price can go directly to the bottom line. If you're just raising your price, you already have covered all of your overhead. You've already covered all of your cost of goods sold. That new increase in price drops directly to the bottom line. So let's give you an example. Let's say that you sell an item for $5. Uh, Let's say a hamburger for $5. And you decide to do a 5% increase in prices. So that's what, 25 cents increase on that? Of 25 for how many customers are you going to lose if you if your hamburger goes from five dollars to five and a quarter? How many people are really going to turn around and go somewhere else for that 25 cents? The ones that will turn around and go somewhere else for that 25 cents are typically not your ideal client. They are the client that is the hardest to serve, the most demanding, the most trying for your staff to deal with. And they take a lot of your time and energy. If those clients go somewhere else and you're making that extra 5% and it's coming to your bottom line, you can afford to lose some of those clients without losing any money. And there's a formula for that I can share with you um, at another time, a formula for how many clients you could actually lose and not lose money. So that's that's the first thing. Raise your prices. Your product will be seen as more valuable when you raise your price. And then there's some simple, easy things you can do on the cost of goods sold and the overhead. Let's talk about overhead for just a second. Audit your bank statement. What are you paying out that you've completely forgotten about that's coming due every month that you don't use? Some subscription you signed up for and you're not paying attention to it anymore. And it's coming out every month on your bank statement or on your credit card. How about your your phone bills? Can you renegotiate your rates on your phones, on, on your vendors on your suppliers? Can you renegotiate rates on those kinds of things and drop those expenses? You know, it's easy to find those five, five and a half percent improvements in each of those areas. And the impact is dramatic on the bottom line. Hey there, hope you've been loving the episode so far. Just wanted to take a moment to invite you to Ace This Is Club, which is a tribe of women small business owners who dream, dare and do amazing stuff. If that's you, which I'm sure you are, just sign up on the link given in show notes to join the waitlist and stay tuned for the updates. And now back to the episode. Yeah, great uh, insight, uh, Regina, that uh, just by tweaking a little bit of your pricing, you can have a massive compounding effect on your bottom line. Just by increasing 5% of your pricing, which in its first place, I know is very challenging for many entrepreneurs because they are always second guessing their price. That's the first thing that they doubt about. <laughs> but uh, but yes, it's very important to create a balance between the 
value and the price. You cannot price a high value product at a, at the cheapest that's available in the market. Cheap is not the best every time. So yes, great insight there that increase your prices to increase your bottom line. Another great question that I had on on my mind since the time I've seen your website and everything is that you talk about leads in a very different way and which is something which I also share the same perspective on is that people don't have a lead generation problem. They have a lead conversion problem because there is no point generating massive leads if you are not able to convert them into actual sales. So can you give a little bit insight into that and uh, how this entire thing about lead generation and conversion happens? And more importantly, if you can give some tips on how people can skyrocket their sales conversion. Oh, I'd love to. So I am going to take it back to lead generation, though, because it does all begin there. And and you're right. A lot of times people think they have a lead generation problem and they don't. They have a conversion problem. But the first thing is that you've got to get crystal clear on who you are in the marketplace and who you serve in the marketplace. Because if you're not crystal clear about those two things, you're going to be attracting people who are not your ideal clients and who are never going to convert. So there's, there's that, that element of really being clear about how you are unique in the market and also who is your ideal client and what solution do you provide to their problem? So you have to understand them well enough to know what their problem is and how you solve it. There is a two-part conversation going on in the mind of all of your prospects. And that is, I have a problem I don't want. I need a solution I I don't have. And if you're the person who can offer them that solution, they're interested in what you have to offer because they want to get rid of this problem. And most people will take action to get rid of a negative before they will take action to acquire a positive, if that makes sense. That, so when you focus on what that problem is, you actually, uh, it has to do with psychology and activation of the reticular activating system and, and th- some of those things. But if you focus on that, what is the problem they have that they don't want and how does my product give them the solution to that problem. Then in your marketing, you use a four-part conversion equation that starts off with getting their attention by expressing you understand and know that problem, and then engaging them further in discussion by showing them that you have a solution to the problem. Then you're able to, to educate them about that and make them an offer, which starts that conversion process. Uh, So again, you've got to be crystal clear about that. You have to understand that client's journey, how they go from being aware of their problem and potential solutions to actually taking action on the solution. And that is a journey they go through. Most marketing we focus on, a lot of times we focus on those immediate buyers, those people who are ready right now. This is the the buy one, get one free, the discount, all of those things are geared to people who are ready to buy right now. But that is only about one to 3% of your audience. The the other 97 to 99% aren't ready to buy yet. They need education. They need to understand how you solve their problem. 
When you can demonstrate that and bring them along that journey, then the conversion becomes an easy process because you're solving their problem. So it's, it's that, and, and there's another element to that that I'd like to add, and that is do what you love, what you're passionate about, and what you're good at, because that will attract people to you as well. You'll enjoy what you're doing, but it also attracts people to you. It attracts your ideal client when you love what you're doing for them, when you love that, uh, what you're able to do for your clients, when you're passionate about that. So get crystal clear on your uniqueness in the market, on who your ideal client is and what is their problem and what solution do you provide to it and understand their journey. What is it that takes them from starting to be aware of this problem to actually being willing to solve it? And then you meet them along the way through that journey. You provide education to them throughout the journey, moving them along. And you're the only person doing that most likely, which means when they get to that point in the journey that they're ready to buy, guess what? You are the natural choice to buy from because you're the one who's been helping them all the way, all along the way. Exactly, exactly. That's uh, so well said. And I like the part where you said that, uh, 97% of the people are not ready to buy yet. And uh, the mistake that entrepreneurs do is that when they have a solution in hand and they go out in the market, everyone should be ready to buy. And when they don't see people, not many many takers are there, they are like, like, what's happening? Is there a problem with my content? Is there a problem with my idea, my marketing? But the, the missing link is that you are not preparing your buyers enough you're not educating them enough and then you are not being patient enough yes <laughs> for letting them get to the stage where they are ready to buy <laughs> you want everything instant <laughs> so yes uh, of course we've talked from the lens of what mistakes other entrepreneurs do let's switch the tables and listen uh, how has the journey been for you of course you said that uh, you've been an entrepreneur since your childhood which is like amazing talk to us a little bit about that as well as uh, because uh, this is a sales podcast and we want to know behind the scenes also as to what were the initial sales challenges for you as a business owner? Because I hear from so many entrepreneurs who have been doing sales and BD for corporate or as professionals, but when they get into the shoes of a business owner, they get uh, into entrepreneurship, it becomes very difficult for them to sell their own product, program or service. So so what's been the journey for you? What's it been like for you? How sales has been as a function for you as a business owner? That's a good question. And I fall into the same model as most people in terms of Selling for myself has always has frequently been a difficult challenge for me. I had a staffing firm for a number of years, um, for about 12 and a half years, and I hired staff to do sales. You know, I was I was the the public image of the company and I was very much in front of my clients and my prospects and visiting them and all, but I relied on the salespeople to close the deal. And so when I started this company, I actually, uh, I reached out to one of the people who had run uh, a division of my staffing company and invited them to come on board with me. And I wanted them to be, to do sales. And actually we decided that 
he would come on as a business partner instead of just as sales. So he ran one division of the company and I ran the other. And, um, but he was, you know, more in charge of sales. And I've always said, I'm not a salesperson. And I think that for those of us who feel that way, that we're not a salesperson, that may be a plus, that may be a positive rather than a negative. Because truly when, when you make sales an extension of the conversation and the relationship that you're having with them, and you're really providing service, it's not about sales. Sales is the, it's the, it's the instrument to measure, if you will. It's, it's a measurement of how well we're doing in serving others, in, in getting our message across. It's not about being that pushy salesperson, but you do have to understand how to communicate. I really like now, I've, now that I've become more comfortable with sales, there's a couple of things that have, have contributed to that. One is the opportunity to ask for permission to close that person. Ask them for permission to share that information with them about what it would look like to take advantage of your product. And that becomes an extension of the conversation you've been having with them. Let me give you a quick example. I teach other coaches. I I help certify other coaches in the same methodologies that I use. And we do a role play process. And in that role play process, one of the things that we really, that I focus on is that permission to close. So it might look something like this. We've, we've asked them on a scale of one to 10, you know, we've gone through a lot of data gathering and, and really exploring their company and what's going on in their company and understanding where the profit and revenue opportunities are in their company. And so now we're at the place where we can show them what kind of an ROI that would get for them. So, I want to ask them, how important is it for them on a scale of one to 10 to achieve the goal that they've told me about at the very beginning of our conversation and that emotional goal of what it is that they want to do in their business and why over the next three to five years. Now I want to know how important is that to them? And then based on that, I'm able to ask a secondary question, which is, Okay, with everything that I've given you here today, all the information I've shared with you, do you have enough information to go do this on your own? Or would you like my help to achieve greater, faster results? That's an extension of the conversation. There, I'm asking them if they will, if they want to know more. And the answer is always yes. The answer is always, yeah, what would that look like? Now I'm able to explain to them because they've asked, I'm able to explain to them what the cost structure of that would look like and what the ROI is. I'm able to give them a clear ROI. What is the return on investment for, I'm going to able to show them how much money we found for them in 45 minutes. I can find that hundred thousand dollars for them. How much did we find for them and how much will it cost for me to help them get that money into their business over the next year. And I'm able to show them what the ROI looks like on that. It is never less than 100%. And it's often several hundred percent, if not more, in that ROI. And it makes it very clear to them that this is a good value. And we're able to then explore, you know, any additional questions that they have. But it's that building enough trust 
in the conversation leading up to it, in, in what I'm sharing with them, in how I'm showing them what's possible in their business, building enough trust that when I ask them, would you like my help with it? They're able to say, yes, I would, but I don't know what that looks like. What would that cost? Or no, I think I can do this on my own. Great. That that's fine. If they feel like they can do that on their own, I'm going to give them a report based on the hour that we've just spent together uh, that will help them with that. And then if they choose to come back later, I'm happy to bring, you know, to sit back down to the table with them and have that conversation of how we could move forward with me helping them. That's a great way to put it. In fact, uh, it directly loops back to the earlier thing that you shared that you need to help your prospects understand what is the problem that they are trying to solve? And bus, just by having that uh, uh, that little integration of the permission to go forward, you are then presenting your solution. Most salespeople do it other way around. They forget about unearthing the problem and they just straight away start pushing the solution. But uh, this is a great way, great flow of a sales conversations that uh, you have put across that first help them crystal clear, get crystal clear on what is the problem that they have in hand and then seek permission to present your solution. And then they are more ready to buy. So I, I see the entire thing coming together, like whatever you've shared in our conversation today, uh, it's all coming together. Uh, so yeah, that's beautiful. So uh, lastly, uh, Regina, one question, which is very dear to me, because this is a podcast curated, especially for women small business owner. What's your message to all the women entrepreneurs out there that will help them fall in love with selling? So... It comes back to knowing that you're serving someone. I'd like to share with you in answer to that. Um, a very dear friend of mine had in his signature of his email, this is what he says. And I think it addresses this beautifully. He says, marriages break up from lack of money over lack of love a hundred times more. Business failures lead to destruction, addiction, depression, anxiety, suicides, and unfortunately, far more. As good business coaches, we save marriages, save families, save kids from self-destruction. We save lives, living a true life of purpose by helping others. We have God-given talents. We have skills that we have developed. We have so many resources to be able to go out and improve others' lives. Whether we're a business coach or we're selling a product or a service, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If we're in business and we are solving someone's problem, we should feel a responsibility to continue to make sure that people get that solution. That's the best piece of advice that we've received on this show, Regina, actually, because... Uh... Yes, when you are connecting to the higher purpose and take full responsibility of serving your clients driven by that purpose, that's what comes. That's what will make selling easy, actually. Thank you so much, Regina, for this beautiful conversation. I'm sure the listeners will have many, many takeaways from this conversation. Thank you so much and have a nice day. It has been my pleasure, Rajni. Thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it.
that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you found any value in today's episode, then remember to recommend Ace the Sales podcast to at least one of your business buddies. You never know what insight they will get that can help them in their business. So do some good karma today. Finally, a loud shout out and thank you to the production team of Done For You podcast who helped me in bringing this show to you. If you too are looking to start your podcast for the business, get in touch with DFIP from the link given in show notes. Join me in the next episode for yet another conversation that can help you fall in love with selling. Till then, take very good care of yourself. This is your host, Roshni Baronia, signing off.